Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got an amazing podcast for you as in segment number two, we're going to be chatting with one of our good buddies, Danny Vietti, who does great work over at CBS Sports, along with the Wake and Rake podcast, which you're able to find wherever your podcast. We're going to be talking about some of the remarkable streaks that we've had to begin the season. Jordan Walker being able to get a hit in his first 12 games of his young career. We're going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, what they've been able to do. We're also going to be talking about a few teams that are going to be up close and in person on Thursday. It's a rather limited slate of games on Thursday with just seven, so we're going to be talking a lot about those teams, some of their outlooks, and then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You are able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Wednesday, and we got a few games from Tuesday night to clean up as well. So let's take a look back at those, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. DK Nation pick for Tuesday just suffered a very sad death on this one. 9-6, the St. Louis Cardinals got done over the Colorado Rockies. Rockies had a four-run lead going into the seventh inning, and then four unearned runs score due to a Colorado Rockies error, and that would be a theme on Wednesday as well. And then they blow it in the ninth inning as the error in this one that was committed by Ryan McMahon. And for Colorado, you did have a trail of home runs in this game with Mr. McMahon, who I just mentioned, third home run season off of Miles Michaelis, C.J. Crone goes deep off of Michaelis, fourth home run season, and then you had Elias Diaz get a second home run season as Miles Michaelis got shelled again. Six runs given up in five innings, but bullpen from there held down the fourth Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, a combined three scoreless innings, and then Ryan Helsley closed the door, stranding two men on in the bottom of the ninth. And for the Colorado Rockies, Kyle Freeland was terrific. He did give up two solo runs, but he gave up just two runs in six innings as going deep off of him, Tommy Edmund first home run season and Juan Yepes is first, but then Nolan Gorman in the ninth inning. He goes deep off of Pierce Johnson for his third home run in the campaign as 
Johnson could not get out of the ninth inning. He gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning before Connor Siebold holds down the fort. And then in that seventh inning, you had Denelson Lamette and Jake Bird sort of go a combined two innings between the sixth and seventh inning. Bird gives up those three runs, but they were all unearned. And Lamette, he gives up another run as well. And then on Wednesday, you saw Jose Arena get Arena all over as the Cardinals get a 7-4 win as for St. Louis. Nolan Arenado takes it to his old team. He goes deep off of Yarena, second home run season. Yarena gives one up to Tyler O'Neill, second home run season. Then Justin Lawrence gives one up to Nolan Gorman. Back-to-back days for a home run for him. Fourth home run of the campaign as for Yarena. Gives up three runs of five innings, and then the bullpen. They were unable to do their job as you had C.J. Crone have an error. McMahon, he didn't have an error, but he didn't look good in the field as Justin Lawrence gives up those two unearned runs in an inning. Brent Suter gives up a run in one and a third innings. Right hand, a pair of outside the bullpen, and Connor Siebold has to come on again. He gave up a run in an inning, and Drew Rickson Profar led off the game for the Colorado Rockies with a home run, second home run season. That comes off of one. Captain Jack Flaherty looked solid in this game. Two runs, one of which was earned in five and a third innings at Coors. That saw they'd have Drew Verhagen give up two runs over the course of a third of an inning, but Zach Thompson, two-thirds of an inning, scoreless Andre Pallanti and Ryan Helsley, scoreless saying Giovanni Gallegos. Pair of outside the bullpen to be able to stem the tide. And then you did see late on Tuesday the San Francisco Giants just completely take it to the LA Dodgers. 5-0 to zero the final. Dodgers in this game. Three total hits as Dustin May didn't pitch bad. He gave up two runs in five and a third innings. Did have Evan Phillips give up three runs in an inning out of the bullpen, but Caleb Ferguson, Shelby Miller, and Bruce Hardergrad are all combined for five outs out of the bullpen scoreless, but for the Dodgers, despite having just three hits, they strand 11 men on base, said their opportunities, and they could not cash in as Alex Wood gives up three walks in four and two-thirds innings. From there, Jacob Junis, Scott Alexander both go a two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Camilio Duvall, John Brebbia, and Tyler Rogers. I'll give you a scoreless inning from there. We don't know how they were able to do for Wednesday since their Greg Peterson experience. That is now from midnight to 3 Eastern time, so do have to record a little bit ahead of time, and we're going to be trying to get you guys a score for Royals and Rangers from Wednesday, but for Tuesday, it took extra innings, but the Rangers got the job done by a count of 8-5. to five. Another one of these games where things got harebrained in extra innings as Jordan Lyles gives up four runs in six and a third innings. From there, the bullpen was able to do their part until you had a big giant walk-off grand slam as Amir Garrett, two-thirds of an inning scoreless, Carlos Hernandez, Aroldis Chapman, they both go scoreless inning, and then Scott Barlow, four runs, three of which were earned in two-thirds of an inning as for the Texas Rangers, Jonah Heim, it wasn't a walk-off grand slam, but rather a walk-off three-run homer. He was able to get it done as the Rangers covered the run line and everything as Jacob DeGrom, he gets a no decision after a good start. Where have we seen this before? Two runs surrendered in seven innings. From there, Jonathan Hernandez gives up a run without getting a single out. Will Smith got jiggy with it, giving up a run in an inning. Jose LeClerc and Unrun give it up in one of the third innings before Cole Raggins gets you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. So there was that. What we also saw in the MLB on Wednesday is uh, the first 10 games to go final. Only one game had gone over the total as one of those was the DK Nation pick, which we had under in Angels versus Nationals. Now, if you take a look back to the game on Tuesday, that was a 2-0 final with the Angels being able to get it done. Choi Otani, just a Choi Otani, thanks, giving up one hit in seven scoreless settings. Jose Cuiata, Carlos Aceves, a scoreless setting, and Logan Ohapi was the difference maker in this one. Fourth home run season off of Yosai Gray, who didn't pitch bad, giving up two runs in five and two-thirds innings. You had Anthony Banda give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Thaddeus Ward, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. A little bit more offense on Wednesday, but relatively good pitching as you did have Mackenzie Gore give up 
two runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings, just knocked himself early due to walks. Four walks in total, 88 pitches. From there, the bullpen did their part. Ransomover Ramirez, Carl Edwards Jr. scoreless inning, Hunter and Harvey at two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Mason Thompson gives up one run in one and two-thirds innings, but not bad there. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, they were unable to take advantage of the fact that this was Griffin Canning's first start since the 2021 campaign. Griff Canning gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Bullpen from there gave up one hit and four scoreless. Matt Moore, Aaron Loop, Brian Tabera, Jose Cuiata. I'll give you a scoreless inning. For the Angels, they do go just two of 11 with Bannon scoring position. So, DK Nation pick cashes and the Angels, they get back-to-back wins. So, credit to them. The lone over that you saw in the early slate of games on Wednesday belonged to Diamondbacks versus Brewers, and that's because you got junk on the mound, and I'm not even kidding. 7-3. Here's in the Diamondbacks. Get the win. Jansen Junk gave up five runs, four of which were earned for the Milwaukee Brewers in four and two-thirds innings, including a deep shot going deep for the years in the Diamondbacks. Lourdes Gurriel's first home run season, and Corbin Carroll off of Gus Varland gets his third home run season. For Mr. Varland, he gives up two runs in one and a third innings. Hobie Milner, Aviguera, both lend a scoreless inning for the Milwaukee Brewers. They strand nine men on base as Dre Jemison lent a short start, but a good start. Four scoreless settings. He did have Luis Frias come out of the bullpen. Give up all three runs without getting a single out, but Kyle Nelson, Kevin Ginkle combined for two scoreless settings, and then Scott McGill, Miguel Castro, and Andrew Chafin all were able to supply a scoreless setting. The Houston Astros held the Pittsburgh Pirates scoreless 7-0 the final as for Houston. You had Alex Bregman, who always gets off to a slow start to the season and feels like he's picking it up. He went deep off of Dodi Maretta for his second home run season, and home run number one for Corey. Corey Jules, he goes deep off of Rich Hill, who's the oldest active starter in the big leagues. Not actually a bad start here for Hill, by the way. He gave up that home run, but just two runs in total over the course of six innings. Morato gave up the home run to Bregman. Three runs surrendered in a third of an inning. J.C. Young, two runs given up in one and two-thirds innings before you get a scoreless inning out of Jose Hernandez. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, nothing doing for them on offense. Jose Arikidi, six scoreless innings before Hector Neris, Brian Abreu, Ronald Blanco were able to land a scoreless setting. The Minnesota Twins, they take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 3-1. to one. Lucas Giolito did not look bad in the start, by the way. He gives up one run in six innings. From there, you get a duo of Keenan Middleton and Jake Diekman landed scoreless setting, but Aaron Bummer, he was a bummer, giving up two runs and two-thirds of an inning before Gregory Santos closes out that eighth inning. And lone form of power for the White Sox game too little too late, as you did get a home run in the ninth inning out of Lennon Sosa, his first home run season, but for Minnesota, Sonny Gray was stealing five scoreless innings. Ode Alcala, Ode Lopez, Griffin Jackson will give you a scoreless inning before Yuan Duran gives up that home run in the ninth inning when things had already pretty much been decided. The New York Yankees are able to slip by the Cleveland Guardians by a count of 4-3, as this was the first ever start for a young Peyton Battenfield, and he was batting down the hatches, giving up two runs, one of which was earned in four and two-thirds innings. Nick Samlin is scoreless, one and a third innings. James Cougarin check his scoreless setting, but it was Emmanuel Classe had issues in the ninth inning as he gives up an unearned run. He was hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field. Trevor Steven, he did allow a solo home run along the way as well as Franchi Cordero. His fourth home run season and back-to-back days for a home run with him. Clark Schmidt not necessarily cutting it in the Yankees rotation thus far. He gives up three runs over the course of four innings, including home run going deep for the Cleveland Guardians. Mr. Ahmed Rosario, his first home run season. Everyone else had his back, though, as Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, Ron Medanakio all give you a scoreless setting. And Michael King, 
he was the king with two scoreless sayings to be able to get the Yankees to the window. You did see the uh, Seattle Mariners and the Chicago Cubs after they had that harebrained game on Tuesday play a more calm game with Seattle getting a 5-2 win. Logan Gilbert gives up just one run in six and two-thirds innings on a windy day out in Wrigley. Paul Seawald does give up a run in an inning as going deep off of him. Cody Bellinger, second home run in the season, but you did have a scoreless inning out of Justin Topa, Matt Brash, and out of the bullpen for Seattle. Pair of home runs in this one as you had Oscar Hernandez get his third home run season off of Mr. Julian Merriweather, and you had Merriweather give up a 482 take shot to Jared Keldick. I mean, this thing would have been out in, like, planet Pluto. I mean, this was insane. His, I believe now, third home run of the season as he's starting to heat up as Merriweather gives up those two home runs over the course of his inning. Marcus Stroman takes a loss. Tough luck loser. Gives up two runs in six innings on a windy day in Wrigley. He pitched while Brad Boxberger gives up a run and an inning and Michael Fulmer, a scoreless inning of his own. You saw the New York Metropolitans be able to get it done by a count of 5-2 to two against the San Diego Padres as Blake Snell has been having some issues to say the least to begin the season as he goes five innings, giving up four runs, three of which were earned, including a pair of home runs for the Mets. Pete Alonso goes deep, his league-leading sixth home run season, and then you had Francisco Lindor get a second home run season. From there, Brent Honeywell gives up a one run and one and two-thirds innings and Tim Mill four outs of the bullpen scoreless. You did have Juan Soto get a home run in sort of the campaign that came off of Tyler McGill. That's really all the wrong that McGill did, giving up two runs in five innings. Bullpen is back from there. Drew Smith, Adam Bonifino, both land a scoreless setting, and David Robertson. Brooks Raley, they don't let this game go off the railies as they combine for two scoreless innings. In 10 innings, the Miami Marlins get it done against the now 4-8 Philadelphia Phillies. Rough start for them, 3-2. The Miami Marlins get the W as Ode Solaire is able to get home run number four of the season as Edward Cabrera. After he was just walking everyone in his first few starts of the season, he was able to lock it down. As a matter of fact, 14 walks in his first 11 and two-thirds innings of the season, but just one walk in five innings. He did a lot of seven hits, but bam, but don't break. As from there, A.J. Puck is able to get a two-inning, what should be saved, but turned out to be a win for him. Dylan Floro, Andrew Nardi, Tanner Scott, I'll give you a scoreless inning. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, and it's all pitching in this one. Zach Wheeler gives up one run in six innings. You did have Jose Alvarado give up one run in one and a third innings as going deep for the Miami Marlins. It was Orde Soler off of him for home run number four, but from there, Gregory Soto gives up an unearned run in the tenth inning in one and a third innings. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Craig Kimbrell, they both get a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless, but for the Philadelphia Phillies right now, bottom three team in the National League in terms of runs per game, that has really been hurting them. And what's been hurting the Reds is the inability to close out one-run games. Another one-run win for the Atlanta Braves by a count of 5-4. to four. So, in all three games of the series, the Braves, they won by approximately one run as Hunter Green went for the Cincinnati Reds, giving up three runs over the course of six innings, punched out 10. From there, Ian Gabo and Buck Farmer could not hold up their end of the bargain as getting a home run in the eighth to put the Atlanta Braves up for good. That would be Mr. Eddie Rosario, his first of the campaign at Spencer Strider. Not his best start. He did have nine strikeouts in five innings, but did allow three runs. Bullpen from there held down the fort. Kirby Yates, A.J. Mitter, scoreless eighth and ninth innings, and Lucas Lutke gives up one run over the course of two innings as for the Cincinnati Reds. They go two of eight with men in scoring position. This game is not quite final, but it's going to be one that goes away. The Kansas City Royals doing this in the eighth inning. They are up by kind of 10-1 as for Brad Keller. Very good start. Six and two-thirds innings, giving up one run. 
that one run, a solo home run as you had Mr. Nathaniel Lowe get a second home run season, but Nathan Avaldi got destroyed, giving up six runs in five innings. Yeah, Taylor Hearn give up four runs in two innings as for Avaldi, he did serve up a jack as you had Vinny Pascantino get a second home run of the campaign. This for a Royals team has really not been great in terms of their offense, so that's a game that is going to go over the total. And then you saw the Blue Jays in extra innings be able to claw out a 3-4 to four win in 10 innings against the Detroit Tigers. For Detroit, Eduardo Rodriguez, very good in the start, gives up one run over the course of six innings. Jason Foley, Alex Lang, they both give you a scoreless innings, but Trey Wingenter gives up two runs and did not get a single out before Jason Shreve has to come in, go one and a third innings, giving up that unearned run in the 10th inning that turned out to be the difference. And for the Tigers, they went 0 of 8 with men in scoring position. Kerry Carpenter did get his first home run season off of Kevin Gosman, and Gosman also allowed one to Nick Mayton, his second home run season as Gosman. Eight innings, probably kept in there a little bit too long, giving up two home runs. Did punch out 11, but gave up three runs in total before Jordan Romano, Tim Mesa, both land a scoreless saying to be able to get the Blue Jays' money line to the window, and then this team stays undefeated. The Rays are now 12-0. They have won 11 games by multiple runs, and they are now 8-3-1 to the over. The only team that's on par with them to the over is the Oakland A's at 8-3-1. As for the Rays, they get a 9-7 win over Boston as Boston. They get a home run off of Rafael Devers as he goes deep off of Colin Pooch for his fifth home run season for Pooch. Not a great outing here, giving up that home run in the third of an inning as Ryan Thompson. He got charged for two runs and two-thirds of an inning. Was a bit of a shaky outing for that Rays bullpen after Taj Bradley gave up three runs and five innings. Jalen Beeks also gives up a run in an inning, but Jason Adam, Pete Fairbanks, they land a scoreless eighth and ninth innings, and Renzio Rosarena was able to go deep in this one. Third home run season. Rays, by the way, still have more home runs than runs allowed. That is insane as Chris Sale... Well, he sold this game, giving up six runs, five of which were earned, including that home run. Bullpen from there did an okay job. Zach Kelly gives up two runs and two-thirds of an inning, but you had Ryan Brazier give one and a third inning scoreless. John Schreiber scoreless inning, and Chris Martin, he gave up a run in an inning, as you did see the Oakland A's get a rare win over the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 8-4. to four. So, another over for Oakland as he had a pair of home runs as Brent Rooker was able to get his first home run season. Then, he also got home run number one for Carlos Perez as well as for Oakland. Ken Waldachuk gives up three runs in six and a third innings. Jurisic Familia, Spanish for blown save. He gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but Chad Smith is able to lend two scoreless innings and for Baltimore, just not a quality start here from Dean Kramer. He gives up those two home runs, four runs in total and four and a third innings and bullpen has been much worse this year for the Orioles than it was a season ago. CNL Perez gives up two runs and one and a third innings. Keegan Aiken gives up two runs and two thirds of an inning. Mike Bauman does lend two scoreless innings and Logan Gillespie gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen and for the Orioles, they did go three of seven with men in scoring position but they got barreled up in this one and overall for the season, we have been seeing quite a few overs in Major League Baseball. As I mentioned, we did have a nice little run of unders on Wednesday, but you take a look overall for the season. It has still been very demonstrative to the over as I do this right now with a pair of games pending for Wednesday. We have seen 94 overs to 78 unders. That is a 54.7% clip to the over. I'm sure that we've got a few pushes along the way as well. If my math is correct, I think we've got seven on totals, but favorites have been doing very well on the money line. 113 and 65 straight up. That is 63.5% of games that are landing on the money line for favorites, but we've also 
seen favorites have a tough time being able to cover the run line. There have been 25 of these 113 wins in which favorites have won by approximately one run. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Wednesday. Now let's talk with our good friend Danny Vietti about the historic nature of this season, what we've seen out of the Tampa Bay Rays, what we've seen out of Jordan Walker, and so the teams that are going to be on full display on Thursday. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by our guest as Danny Vietti does absolutely amazing work taking a look at this game that we all know and love of baseball. He is over there at CBS Sports. On top of that, he does a podcast of his own, the Wake and Rake Podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get your podcast. He does that with a man that has won a World Series title before and Will Middlebrooks back. Well, he was with the Boston Red Sox and Danny he is an ace when it comes to taking a look at the game of baseball, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at his name, Danny Vietti. My name is spelled V-I-E-T-T-I all together. And Danny, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, of course, Greg. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. And Danny, how have you been taking a look at these first two weeks of the season? Because I think that everything has been a net positive for baseball. I think that you joined me either on opening day or the day after opening day, and we were raving about how the pitch clock has helped things out. But I think that this has just been... Overall, a better product with baseball. We've been seeing more small ball, which I find to be very refreshing. No doubt with the clocks, we have been finding these games getting done a little bit sooner. But all in all, it just feels like a little bit more of a pure game of baseball, sans those extra inning rules, which I still can't stand. But that said, I've been very intrigued by the game this year, and I've been very happy about what I've been seeing this year. Yeah, and I haven't seen any complaints either in regards to players, coaches. The only rift that's occurred was really the Manny Machado ejection, and it really had nothing to do with the pitch clock rule. It had everything to do with the home plate umpire not granting Manny Machado timeout at the eight-second mark because he deemed that Machado was not alert to the pitcher. But the fan reaction, the ratings, the TV ratings across the regional networks have yet to be released. Um, But the national TV ratings are promising. Attendance right now is up. That's to be expected the first couple weeks of the season. Obviously, you're going to sell out more ball games. I think we'll be able to get more of a perspective, you know, during the summer months when a Wednesday one o'clock game in Kansas City, probably not going to sell out. But regardless, attendance right now, 
is up over 29,000, near 30,000 actually. Last year, it was at 28,300. That's average attendance across the league. So attendance is up. The ratings look good. Um, and the feedback has been fantastic. I think people are really intrigued, if nothing else. So I think right now, baseball's in a really good spot. The players are for it. The fans certainly seem to be for it, and it's trending in the right direction. Things are trending in the right direction, and along with the gameplay itself, we've had a lot of nice storylines to begin the season, and the best of them has been this hot start for the Tampa Bay Rays. As we are recording this, we don't know how their game on Wednesday went, but they got up 3-0 to zero the first inning against the Boston Red Sox. Looks like they're going to be on their way to domination once again because that's just what the Tampa Bay Rays do. And they're either going to be 11-1 and or 12-0 and at the time of this podcast. And this has just been a great story because with the Tampa Bay Rays, no question, they benefited from a very easy schedule to begin the season playing against the Washington Nationals. You play against the Detroit Tigers and the Oakland A's. You should be able to get quite a few wins there. But for them to just do what they've done, completely dominate every single night aside from that one to zero game against the Boston Red Sox. It has been remarkable to see the way that they've started off the season. Yeah, I was just talking this over with a few coworkers actually. And their run differential through their first 10 games this year, it's over 50. That run differential is the most through the first 10, uh, 10 games of a season since 1884. And to put that into perspective and a little bit of context, Babe Ruth was not even born in 1884. So it's been quite a while since we've seen a team dominate with this much firepower through the first 10 games of the season. They're doing it in every facet possible. Like at this point, there's nothing to critique about this team. Jeffrey Springs hasn't allowed a run this year. McClanahan was dominant against Boston on Tuesday night. Everybody, one through nine, you could probably go down even to their bench players, are crushing baseballs. They lead the league in homers. They've hit more home runs than they've allowed runs scored. N- not home runs, runs scored. Paredes, Rosarena, Brennan Lau is healthy. Wanda Franco looks like an MVP candidate. This team's deep. As long as this team can stay healthy, they're going to be right in the thick of things, not just in the playoff race, but World Series as well. I'm not meaning to say that because you don't want to overreact through two weeks of a season, but we knew the talent that this team possessed coming into the season. Now they're healthy, and we'll have to see what transpires across a 162-game season. But right now, this team looks dominant. We expected them to be very, very good, and they're exceeding those expectations. Oh, yes, they certainly are, and I do think that they're not going to go 162-0 and or anything like that. Let's not get that carried away, but it has been a remarkable start to the season for them. But another remarkable start is what we're seeing with a rookie as well as joining me on the podcast. We do have Danny Vietti. He does amazing work over at CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake podcast. And Jordan Walker, the young 20-year-old, he has gotten a hit in every single one of his games to begin his MLB career. It is absolutely magnificent. I think that among guys that are 21 years or younger, this has been either the longest or the second longest streak that we've ever seen. He was able to get a hit on Wednesday to be able to send that to 12 straight. And I do take a look at the Cardinals, even though they're five and seven. I felt like they were able to get up off the mat thanks to the errors that the Colorado Rockies had on Tuesday into Wednesday. So they got a little bit of help there. But I think that that's exactly what the Cardinals needed. And despite their slow start, they're a team that I think is going to be right in the thick of things as well. And I do think that the Cardinals are showing their might with having one of the best offenses in the big leagues. Question is just being able to shore up the back end of that rotation. And Jordan Walker's really been 
One of the few positives for the start for St. Louis, you just mentioned the streak that uh, the hit streak going on 111 years. So it's been more than a century since we've seen a rookie under 20 years old have this great of a start, which is pretty impressive. On the flip side, the Cardinals won or off to a five and seven start. Fortunately, they just won the series against Colorado. But as we all know, Colorado is not expected to be a contender this year. They had the disagreement between Tyler O'Neill and Ali Marmol, their manager, publicly benched Tyler O'Neill, which was questionable to say the least, because if you're going to bench a player, what is the incentive of making that public? And Tyler O'Neill expressed that as well in his postgame interview, basically saying, you know, I think this could have been handled differently. The start for St. Louis, and in comparing that too with the rest of the division, the Cubs look much more improved this year than they were last year. Milwaukee, a lot of people like myself expected them to kind of take a step back this year. They're off to a hot start at 8-4. and four. The slow and tenuous start with St. Louis combined with the teams in their division who look better, it wasn't looking great for the first week and a half and frankly still isn't looking great for St. Louis right now. They're going to have to turn things around pretty soon because like we just mentioned, Milwaukee, Chicago, even Pittsburgh is winning games. So you don't want to find yourself two months down the road saying, well, we'll turn the corner here eventually. You want to start kicking things into gear as, as soon as possible. So not a great start for St. Louis. I still believe in their talent. And Jordan Walker is a great example of the talent that they do possess. And that offense, it still has been rock solid this year. It's really been the back-end pitching. Guys like Steven Matz and company that they are really going to need to pick it up for this team to be able to ascend. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Danny Vietti. He does amazing work over at CBS Sports and what I find to be very fascinating as well to start out the year because we always have anomalies. We always have oddities that happen in Major League Baseball, like the Pirates at 7-5 taking on the Cardinals at 5-7 and seven on Thursday. That's one of them. But we all remember how much we destroyed the Milwaukee Brewers for that trade of Josh Hader, and I still think that was a terrible trade. We're actually going to be seeing these two teams go at it on Thursday, which I think that is going to be a lot of fun. The Brewers and the Pirates have actually made quite a few deals over the last few years, the Eric Lauer for Trent Grisham swap comes to mind as well. But the Brewers actually entered into Wednesday with the best ERA in the bullpen in the big leagues thus far this season. You did mention that they are 8-4 and four as we are recording this. So we have no idea who they are going to be starting. What are your expectations for the Brewers moving forward? Because I do like the fact that they got off to that 8-3, and three, now 8-4 and four start. But I really don't think that it is sustainable for this team, as I honestly think that the bullpen's okay, but I take a look at the young inning, still have some question marks. I think that this is more of a product of a hot start rather than something that's sustainable. Yeah, I think Milwaukee was kind of hoping to have Aaron Ashby, the kind of their their hybrid bullpen slash spot starter to have in this type of situation. Of course, he's dealing with a significant shoulder injury that is causing him to miss the entire season. That would have been nice to have if you're Milwaukee. It's really been the young players from Milwaukee that has turned heads early on. Guys like Bryce Terang, Garrett Mitchell out in center field. These are guys that Milwaukee were hoping to develop over time, but I don't think anybody really expected them to get off to this hot of a start. Personally, other guys like Brian Anderson, I've always been a huge fan of. I really like the tools that he had in Miami. I always felt like if he had better protection around him, he could be a really nice player for a good, solid lineup and good, solid team. And Anderson, through the first 10 games of the year, had an OPS of up over 1,400, I think it was. So he's just crushing baseballs. The real question comes with to, uh, with Milwaukee. It's not the pitching staff at all. You trust your Freddie Peralta's, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff's, without a doubt. 
It's really just if that offense can sustain that throughout an entire season. You see a lot of streakiness when it comes to young players, and this Milwaukee lineup does have a lot of youth to it. So it's early. They've gotten off to a good start, and they deserve praise for that. But, of course, this is one of those teams that you just want to see over a longer term to really get an idea of what they're going to be. I agree with you there, and I do think that that is going to be very much of fascination. And this is also going to be interesting because one of the teams I thought was going to be a contender for the World Series, I still firmly think that they are going to be, is the Toronto Blue Jays. They are going to be taking on the Detroit Tigers on Thursday. And what I think is a big trepidation for the Blue Jays is sort of their back-end starters because I take a look at all that they've got right now and – when I viewed Chris Bassett up close and in person against the Los Angeles Angels last week, he didn't necessarily look comfortable out there on the mound. It's been just two starts, but he's been a little bit shaky. And then you've got Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Barrios, who are currently getting starts for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think that this is one of the best offenses in the league, but I do have some trepidations with the Blue Jays because I think that they've got potential to be able to make a lot of noise in the American League. No doubt I've been warmer on the Tampa Bay Rays, who they are going to be facing off against over the weekend. That's going to be a big test for them. But for the Blue Jays, I have to wonder if they're going to be looking at picking up some pitching at the deadline or perhaps before them, because I think that if they don't, there is a fear that they could let the season slip away from them a little bit because I haven't liked what I've seen out of Bassett. And then the two guys I mentioned, Kikuchi and Barrios, that they picked up in recent years just have not worked out. I don't want to overreact to Toronto, you know, especially their starting staff. That was a big question for Toronto all of last season was the back end of their rotation because the top two to three guys with Manoa and Gosman, without a doubt, very, very strong. And then after that, it's like, what does Jose Barrios have left in the tank anymore? And then is UC Kikuchi, like he was an all-star two years ago, but was that really just a fluke season? And then Chris Bassett, the struggles that he has had, the only concern I have with him is really the velocity. We've seen the velocity take one to two ticks down on his sinker. That could be significant, you know, especially a guy that just signed a long-term contract with Toronto. But Toronto did a really nice job this offseason. In my opinion, they had one of the stronger offseasons in regards to not necessarily acquiring star power, but acquiring and addressing team needs. And that was outfield defense, which they were very middle to back of the pack in last season. And they were able to fill that void with Dalton Varshow, who led all MLB outfielders and outs above average last year. And then they also picked up Kevin Kiermeyer, who we just saw take away a home run in a magical play on Tuesday night. They addressed their defense in the outfield. And then they also, like we just mentioned, they had a need in the back end of that rotation. They did that with Chris Bassett. Not a great start for Bassett, but his resume tells us that he's going to turn it around. So I'm not worried. I'm not sounding the alarm on Toronto. I think they're plenty talented enough. They're going to be there at the end of the season without a doubt competing for, if not a playoff spot, a World Series spot. They're that talented. They have that kind of offense. And I think they possess that kind of depth this year, too. And I do think that for the Blue Jays, this is one of the best lineups in all of baseball. And the bullpen, I feel like, is a little bit under the radar as well. Should be interesting to see if they add a little bit of pitching moving forward. As Sandy Vietti does a great job over at the Wake and Rake podcast. is joining me on the podcast. And Danny, we've talked about some of the big headlines that we've seen the first two or so weeks of the season. Has there been a team or a player that you feel like deserves a little bit more love than they have gotten thus far? Because we've talked about some of the big headliners with the Rays, Jordan Walker, what have you. But has there been something that's standing out to you that maybe we haven't talked about in this conversation and deserves a little bit more love? I mean, Pablo Lopez looks fantastic for Minnesota. Both sides of that trade. It was the Luis Rise for Pablo Lopez trade between Minnesota and Miami. What has Arise done? Well, he just hit for the first cycle in Miami Marlins franchise history. 
and he's also hitting 530 on the season. That's not misspoken. He's actually hitting 530 on the air. He's just a contact machine. Lopez, Minnesota has been looking for a guy to be able to pitch deep in the ball games. They don't really trust Sonny Gray to go three times through the order. They haven't trusted Joe Ryan to go three times through the order. I think they finally found their guy to be able to pitch into the seventh and eighth innings potentially with Pablo Lopez. So that's been a very good sign to see for Minnesota. And with Pablo Lopez, you always knew that he had the potential, but being on that Marlins team, he wasn't able to get the wins that he deserved. And for Minnesota, Sonny Gray has looked really good as well. So I like the way that they have been hurling, but a man that is an ace and a man that is always doing an amazing job firing all cylinders. That'd be you, Danny. You do a tremendous job with your own podcast, Wake and Write Podcast, which people can always find wherever they get their podcasts. I know you're doing amazing work with CBS Sports as well, so let the good people at home know what's on tap for you and it'll be and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. No, I appreciate it. We'll have a blind resume um, episode coming out on the Wake and Rake Podcast next week. We just came out with the biggest takeaways from the first couple of weeks, but uh, you can follow all that at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and whatever audio platforms you listen to. Danny does an incredible job there. He and Will Middlebrooks do an incredible job with that podcast. I encourage you to add that to your list of baseball podcasts. And Danny, every single time he joins this podcast, lends incredible insights, much like he did today. Big thanks to Danny for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we catch them all. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
the Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by our good friend Danny Vietti, who does amazing work over at CBS Sports, along with the Rake and Wake podcast, which you're able to find wherever you get your podcast. He, day in and day out, does an amazing job taking a look at the great game of baseball. Every single time he joins his podcast, lends great insights, and much like myself, out here chilling on the West Coast. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes there may be these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. Good to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, the American League games are after that. If we would have interleague games, those would be at the bottom. We do not have any. So let's th- get things started with 9.51, 9.52 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies on the road against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are into Cincinnati, and they're on to Nick Lidolo getting the start for them. And Bailey Falter hopes to not live up to his name for the Philadelphia Phillies. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125, your number on the Reds. You're getting the Philadelphia Phillies anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. 8.5 is the total. Unders between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs between even a minus 110. And I set Lodolo and company at a minus 126. So I'm going to be willing to take the Reds on the money line. These two guys actually matched up about a week or so ago. That was a game in which the Philadelphia Phillies won by a count of 3-2. But that's because the Phillies were able to manufacture three runs in the ninth inning. Nick Lodolo was very good. 12 punch-outs and 7 scoreless innings. And I really do like what I'm seeing out of him. And Bailey Falter hasn't been horrible either. I just think that there's going to be a fall-off here. He's got five strikeouts and 10 in the third innings thus far. He had good command last year as well as he has yet to give out a walk this season. In 2022, more on two and a half walks per nine innings, but he gives up a lot of contact in general. Opponents are at 275 off of him, so I think that that's going to be a little bit of bugaboo. He does go up against a red team that doesn't necessarily have a lot of power. You don't have a single guy that returns from last year that had north of 12 home runs, but Jason Vossler has already gotten three home runs for this team. You've had a pair of guys at TJ Fidel, Spencer Steer, both be able to go deep twice thus far this season as both of those guys, Fidel and Steer, both have been able to hit above a three iron this year for the Reds. They do an okay job of being able to draw some walks as well. Jonathan India at the leadoff spot north of a 400 on base, so I like what I'm seeing there, though. Will Myers, he is not doing his part. Meanwhile, for the Philadelphia Phillies, the offense has just been rough in general. This team has been able to exceed the four-run plateau in just two games thus far in the month of April, so they are not getting things going. You've got Kyle Schwarber with the trio of home runs, but he's sitting below the Medellin's line of 200. Elk Boehm, Trey Turner, Bryson Sott, they're getting on base, and Sott is sitting above a 400, obviously. That'll come back to Earth and Brandon Marsh. Like what I've seen out of him, slow start for JT Riamuto. I think that he's going to be able to pick it up, but when you're having start guys like Jake Cave and company because Derek Hall is out with an injury, 
Bryce Harper is banged up. Reese Hoskins is out for the entirety of the season. That's not where you want to be. And for the Phillies, they entered into the week in the bottom five in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And there's not much reason to think that they're going to be tremendous this year. I do think that Gregory Soto is going to be able to pick it up a little bit more. Monster Anthony Dominguez, they've had a little bit of a tough start to the season. Jose Alvarado has been pretty solid, but when you pick up Craig Kimbrell, you know what you're getting with that schlub, so it's not too terrific. Meanwhile, for the Reds, you've got Fernando Cruz along with Alexis. He has both of these guys had a sub-2 ERA in the bullpen last season. Now, when you go to guys like Ian Gabo and company, it's not necessarily too great. Kevin Ergett, he has been a little bit rough, but I do think that you're going to be able to get a nice start out of Nick Liddell, and I do think that Bailey Falter going to live up to that name. He doesn't give out walks, but he gives up a lot of contact. This is a very hitter-friendly ballpark out there in Cincinnati as well. Even though it's in the month of April, I do think that the Reds are going to be able to get on Falter, and I do think that they're going to be able to get it done and perhaps get to 5-plus runs. So, semi-tell at an 8.7 here and an 8.5. Looking at the over, and with the Reds, made them a minus 126 on the money line. So, looking Reds and looking over. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals are playing us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Vince Velasquez goes for the Buccos, and Jordan Montgomery is on the bump for the Cardinals. Cardinals between minus 210 to minus 215 favorites, and between plus 180 and plus 195, your number on the Pirates. The run line of the Cardinals, seeing that at a minus 110 if you're looking to lay a run and a half. 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8.5. Under is minus 120, and the over is even on the 8. Over is minus 120, and the under is even, and I did set my total at 8.6, so whether you've got an 8 or an 8.5, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and a big reason why I am taking a look at this total over is because you've got Vince Velasquez on the mound, and this guy has been just so untrustworthy throughout the entirety of his career. This guy just has not been able to get online. He's made two starts this year, and in seven and third innings, he's given up eight runs, five walks, two home runs. That's just the story of Vinny Velo's career, and he's able to get some swings and misses, but his command is all over the place. When he gives up contact, it goes a very long ways. I have no idea why another team is giving him an opportunity, but they are, so take advantage while you can and just fade him. Meanwhile, Jordan Montgomery, ever since he has gotten to the St. Louis Cardinals, he's been able to do a rock-solid job with this organization as his ERA is sub-3. He's never been one that is at bad command. He had right around two walks per nine innings last season, so I think that he's going to be able to continue on with that end. You take a look at his swing and miss stuff. It's been good. 12 strikeouts in 12 innings. He's given up three runs over the course of his 12 innings, and the team has won both of his starts. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, they got back online with their offense in Coors Field, which you always do like to see. Now, going from elevation back to sea level, that is a little bit tough, but I do think that these guys are equipped to be able to do so because you got a guy, Nolan Arenado, that had to do so for so many years. And you take a look at Jordan Walker, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, all with at least 15 hits apiece. All these guys at least a 319 thus far. They haven't necessarily gotten online with regards to power, but Nolan Gorman has a home run in back-to-back games. He's had four bombs this year. He's hitting above a 300. Alec Burleson is hitting a 300. They've been dealing with injuries to Dylan Carlson, Lars Newpar, but this team is one of the best offenses in all of baseball. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Friars, it's a nice 7-5 start. I feel like this is a little bit of an admiration. I like Brian Reynolds hitting a 347, five home runs, but with O'Neill Cruz out of the fold, who's going to provide him with protection? Andrew McCutcheon hitting above a 300. I fear that he's going to wear down as the season goes along. I do like Connor Joe. He's rock solid, but then you've got Cabrian A's, G-Man Choi, Jack Swazniski, all hitting below a buck 60 right now. For the Pirates, you've really got two bullpen pieces. Chase Young, David Benar, both of these guys had a sub-3-5 ERA last season. But then past that, when you get into guys like Rob Zanarski and company, there's just not a lot of faith. 
that you can have in those guys. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, Ryan Helsley has been a little bit over the place since back half of last season, but I do like Genesis Cabrera. If you need a little bit more of a long guy like Ryan Thompson, these guys are able to deliver as well. And more than anything else, I just have zero faith here. Invincible ask as he has been a failure just time and time again. A little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark in St. Louis, but I do think that the Cardinals have one of the best offenses in all baseball, and they get to face Vinny Velo. So set by total at 8.6 at an 8 or an 8.5. Looking at the over, in terms of the run line of the Cardinals, set it at a minus 112, seeing it at a minus 110. I'm going to be willing to lay that run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board, and this is going to be the DK Nation right up the Milwaukee Brewers at the road faceoff against the San Diego Padres. Nick Martinez is going to be going for the pods, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, it was going to be one of our good friends and Eric Lauer looking like it's going to be Bryce Wilson right now, and when it was supposed to be Lauer versus Martinez, we were seeing a total of 8.5 with the over having juice anywhere between minus 115 to minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105 with the Padres. They were anywhere between minus 140 and minus 145. Brewers were between plus 125 and plus 130. No doubt these numbers are going to be moving quite a bit. Total is not going to be going downward, with it most likely being Bryce Wilson. Unless if they have the second reincarnation of Bob Gibson or something like that, you're going to be seeing this total be at minimum an 8.5, and my write-up that is going to be on the under, because I do think that Bryce Wilson is going to get the start, and Bryce Wilson, frankly, is not too terrific for the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to call it what it is. They've been utilizing him as a little bit more of a long guy this season, and that is part of the angle as well, because with Wilson, he's made three appearances this year, he's won six total innings, and he has yet to give up a run. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with that regard, but it does seem as though he has been able to do a little bit of a better job with the swing and miss stuff. He was a regular starter with the Pittsburgh Pirates last season, and while he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates and spent a little bit of time with the Atlanta Braves as well, he had more around a 5.52 ERA now. Good news from the swing and miss stuff seems to be up, and really the big bugaboo that Bryce Wilson had as a starter last year was giving up the deep ball. He was giving up about 1.6, 1.7 home runs per nine innings. I think that that actually gets rectified being out here in San Diego. You'll notice that the Padres, they always are a significantly worse offensive team at home rather than on the road. 3.7 runs per game at home last season, 4.9 on the road last season, so a top five offense on the road last season in terms of runs per game, a bottom five at home. So I think that that is very big to take a look at Petco Park. It is very pitcher-friendly, and it is going to be a case where I do think that Nick Martinez is going to be able to have a relatively solid start. First two starts of the year, he did allow a combined eight runs over the course of 11 and two-thirds innings. One of those starts came against Colorado before home and roads was really took hold for them. Other one was going on the road against the Atlanta Braves, and I do think that he's going to be able to lock it in a little bit more. Does need to address the walks since he's gotten to San Diego right around 3.7 walks per nine innings, about a 3.74 ERA, but relatively good swing and miss stuff. Going up against a Brewers bunch at They've been getting most of their offense when they've been at home, right? Around 3.7 to 3.8 runs per game on the road. Six runs per game at home with the Milwaukee Brewers. They are starting quite a few young guys like Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang, throwing their Joey Weimer. These are all guys that are really in their rookie year, and they have been very inconsistent home the road. Christian Yelich with one home run, hitting about a 245 right now. You just expect so much more for the money paid to him now. Brian Anderson has come in and has actually been relatively solid. 
for this team. He's been able to supply a trail of home runs. He's been able to do a good job moving the line, hitting a 286. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, entering into yesterday on the road, they were hitting about a 220 as a collective. Most of these hits are coming at home. You've got a little bit of an all-or-nothing team, and with having the fences just a little bit harder to be able to go over in San Diego during the nighttime, that's going to be hurting them quite a bit, like Rowdy Tellez. Last year at a 225, so that's a bit of an issue. And then you've got a San Diego Padres team that I mean, let's talk about it. Juan Soto has just not been terrific the last few seasons. He's hitting a 217 right now. He's been able to give the team a tree of homers, but just expect a little bit more for the money that's been paid. Manny Machado has yet to go deep this year. Now, you do expect him to fully get online. And Xander Bogarts, he's been paying off in droves. Hitting a 327, four home runs. Former Milwaukee Brewer, Trent Grisham, tree of home runs, but hitting a buck 96. The entire catcher spot has been a little bit of a hot mess. For this team as well. And for the Padres, they do have a bullpen that has been okay this year. Josh Hader has been absolutely terrific. It's all about being able to lock it in with more of the other guys. I do like Steven Wilson, sub-3 ERA last season to Bell Chris, but he has been all over the place this season. I liked what I saw from him last year where he had a 294 ERA. I do think that he's going to be able to pick up the slack a little bit. I do think that Luis Garcia is going to be rounding back into form, but the reason why I do like this total under, I was mentioning the fact that Bryce Wilson is not a great starter, and that should get him out of this game relatively early. The Brewers' bullpen is currently number one in the big leagues in terms of ERA. You've got so many trustworthy guys like Joel Pyams, Holby Milner, Peter Strzelski. All these guys had a sub-3-3 ERA last season. Devin Williams is someone that is able to supply you with a sub-2 ERA. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, though, they had to throw out their chance in junk yesterday. It's not like they threw out their necessarily their super-duper trustworthy guys or anything like that. So the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen, it is going to be on call in this game. And if you do essentially get a Milwaukee Brewers bullpen game, that is something that I really do like with this total. Assuming that we get Bryce Wilson, I'm setting my total at an 8. So my DK Nation write-up, that is going to be on the under. Now with regards to a revamp money line, assuming that you do get Bryce Wilson against Nick Martinez, anything above about a plus 123. I said it officially at a plus 123. I'd be willing to lay a run at half with the Padres. With the Padres, made them a minus 171 favorite, so we need at least a plus 172 to take a shot on the Brewers on the money line. 9.57, 9.58 on the betting board. The Oakland A's hit the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Adam Aller is going to be going for the A's and you've got Cole Irvin on the bump for the Orioles. Right now, only seeing a number up at DraftKings. Total is 9.5 over minus 115. The under is minus 105 with Baltimore minus 210 favorites, plus 180 on Oakland with the run line being a minus 105 with Baltimore laying that small run line number in. I set the Orioles run line at a minus 129 and I need at least a plus 230 to take a shot on the Oakland A's. So I'm going to be looking at Baltimore in this ordeal. Now, Cole Irvin going up against his former team, but there aren't a lot of guys that are still remaining from the beginning part of last season with the Oakland A's, so not a lot of familiarity there. But I will say, for Cole Irvin, he just has not been good when pitching away from Oakland last two seasons. In 2022, in Oakland, he had a 307 ERA with six home runs allowed and 105 and two-thirds innings. On the road that season, 75 and a third innings, 19 home runs allowed with a 5.26 ERA, and it's been rough for him to start the season. First, he starts eight and two-thirds innings. He's allowed one home run, giving up 12 hits with a 9.35 ERA, but he is going up against someone at Adam Aller that 
Just quite frankly, I don't think that he's worthy of being a major league pitcher. At this point, he's been sort of utilized as a super guy as he sometimes starts, he sometimes comes out of the bullpen, but in his two years at the big league level, a 6'11 ERA is someone that just doesn't give you a lot of swings and misses, right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings, while giving up north of four and a half walks per nine innings. The hard contact is certainly there as well as his home runs per nine rate, that is hovering right in the neighborhood of about two. Not a lot of redeeming qualities. I will say, if he's able to give you a few okay innings, this is not the world's worst bullpen, as you've got Zach Jackson, Denny Jimenez, Sam Maul. These are all guys that had a sub-3-5 ERA in the bullpen last season. Jersich Familia has not looked awful, though. It is still Jersich Familia. With the Oakland A's, the big trepidation that you have is whether or not this team is going to be able to score runs out. To their credit, they have been able to get to four-plus runs each out of the last two days, as you've been able to get something out of Vermont Laurie and Brent Rooker as they're both hitting above a 235. And Rooker was able to go deep yesterday for the team. But you got Elamendi's Diaz, someone like a Ryan Noda, Kevin Smith. You're able to go down the list of guys hitting a 225 or lower for the team. And for the Baltimore Orioles, the team is ripping the cover off the ball. Adley Rushman is hitting north of a 360 thus far. Ryan Mountcastle is off to a great start at five home runs entering into the game yesterday. Anthony Santander has been a little bit out of form along with Gunnar Henderson. Both of these guys hitting below a 225. But you've got guys that do a good job of moving the line. Ode Mateo, along with Cedric Mullins, two of the best base dealers in all of baseball. Austin Says, kid, is hitting above a 300. And for Baltimore, you tell that the bullpen hit a little bit of a funk towards the second half of the season last year. And trading away, Ode Lopez, that was rough, but you still have someone like you see in Alperez, who had a sub-3-3 ERA last year. Felix Batista, he's been able to do a masterful job. He is one of the best closers in the big leagues. They did have to use up Mike Baum and Keegan Aiken, more long guys, yesterday. So I do think that there's going to be runs of plenty in this game. So if I told at 9.7, so you're at 9.5, looking at the over. But I think that the Orioles put a hurt on Adam Oller. I do think that the Oakland A's going to be able to get some offense on Cole Irvin. But I certainly do think that Oller is a guy that gets hit a little bit harder in this spot. So looking at that Orioles run line and taking a look at the 9.5 over, 9.59, 9.60 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays. They play out to the Boston Red Sox. The Kalubot, Corey Kaluber, is going to be going for Boston. And Jeffrey Springs is on the bump for the Rays. The Rays opened up as a minus 150 favorite. This has went to the moon. It's anywhere between minus 180 and minus 195. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, it's anywhere between plus 160, seeing as high as a plus 172. And I needed at least a plus 174 to take a shot on the Red Sox. But with the way that this thing is going, I think that we're going to see more money come in on the Red Sox, which would make it a little bit more of a play for me, though I will say. With the Tampa Bay Rays, still seeing a plus 115 run line out there, and if I you are able to get that, and if that's available in the AM, I'd be willing to take that, but I think when it's all said and done, this is going to be just price to the Tampa Bay Rays being a Mondo favorite. They're going to be entering into this game 12-0. The Tampa Bay Rays, as we were talking about with Tandy Vietti, they have been just the monsters at this point in all of baseball. So many guys, they're just completely ripping the cover off the ball. Right Rosarena, Isaac Paredes, Yandy Diaz, Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, along with Josh Lowe. Each of their top six players in terms of total at-bats all entered into yesterday hitting above a 300. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous what we are seeing right now. But for Boston, they do have a relatively solid offense of their own. Justin Turner has been a little bit 
rough coming out of the gates along with Kike Hernandez and Tristan Casas. Casas and Kike Hernandez both hitting below the Bedell's line of 200, but Bobby Dahlbeck is back. He's been able to do a nice job moving the line. Alex Verdugo is hitting right around a 3 of 50. You've gotten really good production out of Adam Duvall as well, sitting well north of a 300. He's been able to give the team four home runs. Remy Altapia is someone that I like coming over from Toronto as well. And for the Boston Red Sox, the big key for them is that they did use up more of their less than trustworthy guys out of the bullpen yesterday. Chris Sale was only able to give four innings. He looked like a big giant turd out there. So they used up Zach Kelly. They used up Ryan Brazier. I recognize that Kenley Jansen is not the world's greatest reliever, but I would trust in him over someone like a Caleb Ort, for instance. Chris Martin was able to have a nice season with the LA Dodgers. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they did have to dive into their bullpen as well. They were able to get five innings out of Taj Bradley, but they did have to use up guys like Jalen Beeks, Brian Thompson yesterday as well. This is still a very good bullpen with guys like Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adam. You able to go down the list. They're able to do a solid job. But I do think that Corey Kluber, with him being familiar with the Tampa Bay Rays being on the roster last season, I think that they could help him a little bit in this spot because nobody else has been able to slow down the Tampa Bay Rays this season. He actually knows them. He's a wily veteran at age 37, and he does a good job with his command. Fewer than two walks per nine innings last season now. I will say, he has been giving up quite a bit of hard contact over the last few seasons. His home runs per nine rate in the neighborhood about 1.7. He's already given up three home runs thus far this season. Swing and miss stuff, it is down. He's getting fewer than seven half strikeouts per nine innings past two seasons, but he's going up against someone in Jeffrey Springs who's been lights out to begin the season. He's allowed three hits over the course of 13 scoreless innings thus far this season. He has, though, faced off against lesser competition in the Oakland A's and the Detroit Tigers, the Boston Red Sox, and it's a little bit of a different animal, and I will say for Jeffrey Springs, Springs has always had success in Tampa Bay. 223 home area to a 265 ERA on the road. I do think that the Rays can be slowed down a little bit more with regards to their offense. So I did set my total at 7.9. Here at an 8, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I do think that if you get north of a plus 175, and money is right now pouring in on the Tampa Bay Rays. Right now, it's not in my strike zone for the Boston Red Sox. I fully expect this in the AM to be in that range of about a plus 175 or greater that I need to take the Boston Red Sox. I'll be looking there to go along with this 800-961-962 on the betting board. The New York Yankees, they're going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins as Joe Ryan goes for the Twins. Johnny Burrito is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. And the Yankees between minus 130 to minus 140 favorites. Between plus 115 and plus 126 is your number on Minnesota. 8.5 to 8 is your total on the 8. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105 on the 8.5. Under is minus 115. And the over is minus 105. And for the Yankees, made them a minus 142 favorite. Not willing to lay really anything more than what I'm seeing right now, but I am willing to lay this number with the New York Yankees with Johnny Brito. I really like what I saw from him at the minor league level last season as he didn't really get a lot of strikeouts, but he gave up only about 0.6 home runs per nine innings, fewer than two and a half walks per nine innings, and he's duplicated that here in the major leagues. He has given up three walks in 10 innings, eight strikeouts in those 10 innings while allowing one run. He is a bend-but-don't-break pitcher, and I like these sort of guys. I think that he's got a lot of upside, and he's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen. Clay Holmes is a little bit of a roll of the dice. has been shaky since the back half of last season, but Albert Abreu has done a nice job holding down the fort. Ron Medanacchio along with Juan Peralta. Both of these guys were very rock solid last season, and for Marinacchio in two-plus seasons with the Yankees, he's got right around about a two ERA. Ian Hamilton, I think, is someone that is going to be able to provide this team a little bit of upside moving forward as well. As a matter of fact, he is a former Minnesota Twin that seems to be coming into his own. And for the Minnesota Twins, I do like this bullpen as well, as you've got Yohan Duran, who's able to throw 100-plus miles per hour. Ode Lopez is very solid. Griffin Jacks is able to give you a little bit of length as well, but you do have someone in Joe Ryan that has been very shaky 
on the road in recent seasons. You take a look at what he did during the 2022 campaign, a 422 ERA, allowing right around one and a half home runs per nine innings. His command is okay, right around about 2.8, 2.9 walks per nine innings. He gets strikeouts, about nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings over the past two seasons, but I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to get to him. It's a little bit cooler in the northeast part of the country this time of year, but you do have all sorts of matchers for the Yankees with Franchi Cordero tied with Aaron Judge for the most home runs on the team with four. You expect Aaron Judge to have four home runs. Franchi Cordero, not so much, but the team is doing a much better job of getting on base this year than they did last year, as you've got Oswaldo Cabrera, John Carlos Sand, and Anthony Rizzo, all in at least a 275 Sand last year. I'm sitting right around 230 along with Rizzo, so that's been very nice to see DJ LeMay. It's only hitting about a 265 with one home run. You've got to expect that he's going to pick that up a little bit. Labor Torres, north of a 500 on base. He's been able to do a tremendous job, and for the Minnesota Twins, not a team with a lot of firepower in terms of going deep. Joey Gallo has three home runs this year, but we all know that he either gets a home run or he gets a strike out. There's no in between with him, but Byron Buxton is hitting a 300 after last year. He just wasn't moving the line, but was hitting for a lot of power. Don Vincelano, he's hitting a 333. Losing Luis Arias does take away a good table setter for the team, but Trevor Larnish, nearly a 400 on base as well. So I do think that the New York Yankees are going to be able to get to Joe Ryan. I do think that the Twins are going to move the line and play some small ball on Brito. So I did set my total at 8.7. I'm looking at the over in this final with the Yankees. So that as a minus 142 favorite on the money line. So getting this between minus 132 and minus 140, looking at the Yankees and looking at this total over. And we wrap things up with 963 and 964 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers hit the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Chris Bassett has the Oak Line and Sinker for the Jays. And Spencer Turnbull is on the bump for Detroit. Nine is the total. Overs between minus 115 and minus 125. The understanding between minus 105 and plus 105 with the Blue Jays being between a minus 210 to a minus 220 favorite. And you got between plus 180 and plus 190 on the Detroit Tigers run line of the Toronto Blue Jays. Between minus 110 to a minus 115 was one to lay up to a minus 130. I got to see Chris Bassett up close and in person in his start against the LA Angels last week. He didn't necessarily look too comfortable with the pitch clock, but I can tell you in watching Spencer Turnbull starts, not in person, but on TV, he doesn't look comfortable with it either, and I just have absolutely no faith whatsoever here in our good friend Mr. Spencer Turnbull as his first two starts of the season. First two starts since the 2021 campaign. He missed all of last year due to Tommy John surgery. He has just looked terrible giving up 12 runs over the course of eight innings. He's not necessarily giving up the deep ball, and he never really has given up a lot of home runs. You even go back to just his career numbers, about 0.6, 0.7 home runs per nine innings throughout his career, but you go back to the last full season that he really had during the 2020 campaign when he was able to pitch 11 starts. As we know, that was a shortened 2020 campaign. at a 572 road ERA. He gave up just two home runs in 28 and a third innings, but his walks per nine rate that season was right around four and a half. He doesn't have a lot of command. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. The only thing he really does is keep the ball in the yard, but now you have to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays team that these guys are white out at the plate. Hitting as a collective at 289 as you've got Boba Shett, Matt Chapman, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Kiermeyer, all hitting at least a 350 for the team. Now, Kevin Kiermeyer is not going to continue to at 382 all season long, but Bichette already has four home runs this season. Matt Chapman, I don't know what's gotten into him, but he's seeing the ball better than ever. 15 RBI, three home runs. George Springer, Flagger, Jr., pair of home runs. You know that they're going to be there when it's all centered on Alejandro Kirk. Off to a slow start to the year along with Brandon Belt. They should be able to pick it up. And for the Blue Jays, far better bullpen. Yimi Garcia, Anthony Bass, throw in there Tim Mays, uh, Jordan Romano, the closer. All these guys are solid. They pick up Eric Swanson. Had a sub 2 3 ERA with the uh, Seattle Mariners last season. And that's one thing that is really lacking 
with the Detroit Tigers now. Their one saving grace a season ago was that they had a bullpen of guys that were able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort as you had guys like Andrew Chafin, Gregory Soto, Michael Fulmer, Joey Menes, all these guys that had a sub-3-5 ERA. They do have Jose Cicerno back from a season ago, but now you're relying upon Alex Lang, who had about a 3.70 ERA a season ago. Jason Foley is okay in the bullpen, but he's not quite what those other guys were, and that's a big, giant issue for a Detroit Tigers team that they might not be the worst lineup in all of baseball, but they're certainly a bottom five lineup in all of baseball. They have been able to generate six home runs in their first 10-plus games of the season this year. They entered into yesterday hitting a 201 as a collective. Now, Spencer Torkelson is starting to move the line. He's hitting about a 250 overall. Riley Green has been able to give you about a 250 batting average as well. You do have Jason Rogers, who's been able to supply a pair of home runs, but this is still a Detroit Tigers team that they've got an uphill battle to climb. Gary Carpenter, I'll give him a little bit of credit. He had a home run yesterday. He's hitting about a 240, but guys like Miguel Cabrera, Eric Haas, Ryan Kreidler, Nick Maton, Navi Baez, all these guys sitting below a 200. It's just a big issue for them. So I did set my total at 8.8 just merely because I don't think that the Tigers hold up their end of the bargain. When it comes to the total, I'm going to be looking at the under. And with the Blue Jays, want to lay up to about a minus 130 or so on this run line. That will wrap things up for the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to Danny Vietti over at CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake Podcast for joining me in the last segment. If you do like to hear from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore one. Keep in mind, letters the mean does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Buy that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And these will be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.